and say, what's the strategy that we need to have? Because right now we don't know. And really what is fear anyways? Fear is the lack of knowledge. What's shaking? Welcome back to the All In Podcast. I'm Rick Jordan. Today, 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 Anthony, and I'm, I'm sorry, man, because I think I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to guti. I don't know. I'm just going to have you say that you're here. You know what? Just bring you on. Hi. How you doing? I'll read your bio in a sec. What's up, Anthony? I should have asked you beforehand. <laughs> It's a monotagy, and I'm going to tell you, I knew I was that kid in school every day when the teacher went, Anthony, uh, I, I knew that was me, and that was part of my morning uh, in a new school. No doubt, dude. So I'm looking at this. You're founder of CEO CDO Group, right, And which is an industry leader in providing a full range of outsourced construction, development, and project management services. And you're a lot in the hospitality industry. I mean, I saw that you build fitness centers. All of that's really cool, man. How are you surviving? after coming out of COVID-19 because all these things were like shut down, right? You know, so we went through, my, my motto was don't stop fighting. Look, all the way through, we actually did really, really well through COVID. I, you know, uh, the biggest brand that we work on is McDonald's. We build more McDonald's than anybody in the world, but they slowed down construction. You know, it didn't stop. We still had plenty, you know, we still did $25 million worth of McDonald's during COVID. Uh, it, it limited, you know, it's not the 85, 90 million dollars worth of work that we do, but we still did enough to keep our people busy and, and keep them moving. The, the stuff that we really noticed was it let us go horizontally. Right. So for the last couple of years, we've been going guns a blazing. Right. You know, uh, in 2018, we broke uh, the 85 million dollars worth of work with that brand. Uh, 2019, we broke all 50 states. Uh, you know, 2020 comes around. COVID comes in. Like, and I believe that most people got scared. They got on the ground. They crawled up in the field position. They all just sat there and bought into the BS that we had to shut down. And we did it. I kept looking at my people going, look, look at me. When I freak out, you freak out. Don't freak out. Here's what we're going to do. And every day, and I would stop watching. And every once in a while, I'd catch myself. I'd go in there and take a little hit off the news. Oh, oh, <laughs> so you're out. telling your people, it's like, look at me. I'm stoic right now, okay? You don't freak out because I'm not freaking out. That's awesome. Dude, but that's a long line. You do stuff in your office, too, right? I was reading that you just say, you yell out push-ups or something like that when you're walking through. Wait a minute. You, it's for me. It's all about energy state in our group. Look, all day long. You, if you're if you're working with your people, feeling their energy, knowing where they're at, knowing what's going on, you know, and that's that. I have this walk around management style where I'm in and part of my group. You know, we have regular scheduled meetings, we have stuff. But I really do feel like a big part of what I do is carry that flag, walk around, and know what's going on with, with the people in the office. And every once in a while, we'll get a we have a deal at any given time. Someone's having a tough time. They yell push-ups. The entire office drops to the ground and does 20 push-ups. does not matter who you are, where you're at. Now, you can do them on your knees or not. But the idea is that once we do that, every single time I've done one, it changes my state of mind. Right right there in the moment, the group changes, the energy. Here, I get up. I'm like, every single time someone yells it, the first thought is, damn it, I don't want to do a push-up right now. But every single time I get up off the ground, I feel better. Right. The energy's going, the blood's flowing through us. Right. You start breathing again. I don't know about you, but I think a big part of what we're doing is we all get this. We get this. We don't even know it. We're short cycling our breath. We're short, you know, that energy in our body is 
part of what has your ability to think, right? Our ability to, to, to look at, and I think great leadership has, you know, you need to be able to stand back a little bit. And great leadership is taking the possibilities, all the possibilities of the world and bring it to a solution. Right. Look, anybody can do what a manager, you know, hey, follow the checklist. Boom, 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 boom. That's not leadership. That's management, right? Management follows a checklist and does exactly what's on that list really, really well. Right. They make sure they do A, then they do B, then do C. Great leadership is about taking the problems that happen and taking all the solutions of the world, right? Wherever they are, whatever the solution, find, pulling from all the units from everywhere in the universe to find a solution there. Now, in order to do that, we've got to we've got to get outside of the one way of thinking. So I think that's where that energy state changes. That's where our, our biochemistry changes. That's where the practice of taking some deep breaths, slowing down a little bit, getting away from the fire. Sometimes walking out of the office, you know, best some of our best thinking happened on what we call our twenty minute walks, right? So somebody in the office will grab and go, "Up, oh, I need a walk," and we'll go take a walk. Or if I'm doing a one on one with one of the leadership people, we'll do it walking. Right? Instead of trying to do it at a desk, uh, we'll get out and just walk around the office or walk around the neighborhood. And uh, you know, sometimes some of the best thinking happens right there. Yeah, no joke. And that probably keeps them more engaged too in the conversation because it's not like the clunkiness. I, and I'll, that's a good word that comes to mind is the clunkiness of the office. You know, there's something that you said, you know, because one of my questions, you know, how did the CDO group become what it is today? But then you also talked about this you were able to go horizontal, you know, and spread out this past year too. And that sounds like it was a key to your, if I could use the word survival, right? Yeah, for sure. We, you know, we added on multiple new customers, you know, uh, uh, we took on Christian, Christian brothers, automotives, right? It was a great brand, a, you know, great group of guys that we met and we built a first one for, and being that we had some, you know, we, you know the people who were, uh, their projects slowed down. We said, hey, look, instead of you slowing down and sitting around there twiddling and, and doing, here, at the end of the day, you're sitting there worrying all day. How about you come help this guy knock this one out of the park? And we put two project managers on one on one project and knocked it. We, we did their first project we did for them. We did not half the time anybody's ever done one for them before. We picked it out of the park, right? And then the second one and the third one, now we're building four of them at a time. And, you know, our, our team is masters of the system. You know, I, we're getting ready to start two more of them, uh, one here in Aurora, Illinois, and one up in uh, Minnesota. And what we're working on right now is how do you master day one, right? Most of construction, most of business is lost before you even start. Guys show up and they're like on the line of scrimmage. They're in the battle. They walk up to the battle and they're looking for their guns. Where are the guns? Hey, where are the bullets? Anybody know the bullets are at? Right? They're all looking around for the tools they need to fight the battle. And I'm saying, when I'm in the battle, boom, gun, boom, run, bullets, boom, shield. Right? I need to know where my parts and pieces are. I can't be sitting in the middle of a battle looking for the tools I need to fight it. So what are we doing now to set up for that? Rick, 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 what are we doing now to get into to – we know the battle's coming. We're going to start those projects. Uh, one of them going to start uh, – March, uh, or no, uh, April 29th, right? So uh, once April 29th, which is plenty of time, right? People will go, oh, I can sit back on my laurels and wait for it. Or I can make sure I have things like the power, all my utilities set up, looking at a game plan. Where's the trailer going to go? Where's my temporary power? How, do I, how does my superintendent walk on that job site and know where everything's at? Everything's ordered. We've called all the vendors. We've ordered trusses. We've ordered wood. We're shopping for the best materials that we can find. Today, while we're not in the gunfight, it's the time to source all of that. 
So we show up to that gunfight, and day one gets one. We win day one, we win day two. Now look, in that site, my goal is to be out of the dirt in four days. Right? So here at CDO Group, we're working really hard. I'm doing ground-up buildings in, in four weeks. Right, ground up buildings. Right, it was from dirt, we, we, uh, there's a 17 foot sign in the main coordinator's office. Uh, it's, it's a big giant sign, four foot tall, across a, a big wall in there. It says, "From dirt to dishes in four weeks." Just four weeks. Yeah, four weeks. Right. Oh it's my god. So, yeah. Right. So, how do you build a ground up building in four weeks? That, 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 you know, most of the business, you know, look, if 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 this is the lifespan of a building, let's say it's a hundred years. Construction has typically been the part that touches my finger, right? So people will put up with a lot of BS that happens. You know, it's construction. Those guys, they say something, they don't really do it. You know, most of the, most of the vendors that are in this business kind of haphazardly, you know, they, they know their trade well, but they don't run a business real well. I'm saying that today, the environment can't afford that. You can't afford to be that way in this business. That today, uh, uh, our clients need their, their locations faster. We could talk about some of the retail stuff, what's happening in that world. Uh, but, you know, the, the idea is that if I can show a subcontractor, hey, Mr. Subcontractor, I'm going to show you how to make more money faster and have your people work less hours. How do you do that? Well, one is that they show up to our, my job sites and they're well prepared. They don't have to go to Home Depot 15 times. Right? They don't have to go get tools that they're missing. Oh, we get to a job and say, hey, I forgot a backhoe. I forgot my, I forgot my, I forgot uh, uh, the, 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 my, my sawzall. Now they have to run back to the shop and run back to those, those inefficiencies that happen. Dude, I love your common sense approach. For real, because I, I, I was just talking about this with my team this morning at our level 10 meeting, you know, because you, you're right. Construction has a stigma around it, right? Just like Tech does too. I mean, you think about with tech, you think about like the Comcast cable guy coming to your house or something like that. You know, you know, ass crack hanging halfway out and just talking down to you the whole time, not showing up on time, not having the right tools or the right modem in his truck or anything like that. It's the same scenario. And I was laughing this morning because we had a, a wonderful new employee begin that was that we invited him into the level 10 meeting and I'm showing her, I'm like, listen, look at our metrics for last week. I'm like, our average response time was freaking eight minutes. That's it. You know, and I, I pull up, you know, cause we're both in Chicago. I pull up our largest competitor and I'll call them up by name, proven, right? Proven it. You see them all over the place. Cause they sponsor the white Sox. They sponsor the Chicago bears and on their website, they're bragging about a freaking four hour response time. And I'm like, suck it. You know, <laughs> eight minutes right here. Yeah. Cause you yeah, that's the approach we have to have with these industries that are stigmatized, right? It, it, for sure, if you are not think, if you're a business owner and you're not thinking faster, if you're thinking I'm going to get by with four hours or whatever the industry standard was, you're very short what lived in this business, in, in any business. The future of all of what we're doing is going to happen so much faster. Now, what I've learned is it's not like taking what was four hours and now trying to get to three and a half hours. That, look, that, that way of thinking is the old way of, of trying to get better. If I get this incrementally better, I'll be better. And the problem with that is that, you know, over time, you end up back where you started, right? You, you, you kind of do it. You kind of, well, if the guy just shows up a little bit faster, great. Your logic is, your, I understand your logic. 
But the problem is, if you don't change the system, your if you don't figure out ways to get someone Mike to a drop. job site, right, right. If, if you don't change the system, those increments will somewhere end up right back where they were. And and I, I think that's where you're heading with that. That you know, four hours to eight eight minutes. That difference takes systematic approach. Different, you know, knowing the customers, the way that when you get a report, how to react to report, what you do with the tools and equipment you need to get there. That approach dramatically different than than what they've done, you know, the, the past. That's awesome, man. I love that. I'm sure you instill this in your people too. You know, I I know you're big into self development. You know, how do you how do you encourage that with your employees and them continuing to develop themselves? I think that that's an example. You got to be look. I'm 52 years old. I've learned one thing. I got to keep up with all these young young folks who are here, right? And one is just a matter of what do I? You, I can't go give away what I don't have, right? If, if I want to, if I want them to do it, you know, what's the example? And by the way, I can't always take care of their side of the street. I can be an example, right? I can look at it and go, all right, here's what's really worked and changed dramatically for me. You know, I've owned Studio Group for 24 years. And for most of those, I didn't practice all these behaviors. So I, I can't say that I always was the kind of leader that I am today. Some of that stuff, you know, I, I feel like the first 48 years of my life, you ever, you ever walk a dog and it walks into a new room, right? What's the first thing it does? It runs around sniffing everything, right? You know, I feel like my first 48 years on this planet were that way. And here, by the way, okay, great. It was, that's what it was. Somewhere in there, I realized that wasn't serving me. Right. It wasn't serving the group of people that I want. And by the way, it, it showed in the numbers that I had. Right. You know, we'd go to one, two million dollars and then maybe we get to three million dollars. We thought that was a great year. Well, all of a sudden I changed that. And I started looking at the way I lived, the lifestyle, my drinking, the drugs, the sleeping, the behaviors, the working out, the stuff that we do to get the mind right. Right. How do I show up? And I'm at that level 10 you talk about, right? Getting the level 10 to be that intense to be there at level 10, right? And, and now how do I push it to level 11? Right? How, you know, I, I love that, uh, uh, you know, when, uh, when, I, when I bought the Tesla, I, I got, I, I love that Elon put level 11, right? I'm like, I'm like, you just missed it. Right? Like my, sound, my sound goes to level 11 rather than 10. Now, you know, that's, that's where I want to be. I want to be. Uh, there and that takes it takes some work, right? So, so we, you know, uh, start looking at life, uh, mind, body, uh, spirit here. So, I, I, the biggest thing we do, if you look at our HR department, uh, my conversation with them every day, every single day, are what are we doing to make our people to make them better, right? What are we doing, mind, body, spirit, and how do we look at that? And go, all right, are you checking in with the people? My request of them is always to be checking in with each and every one of them. Understand what's going on in their life. What's going on? What can we do to help them? Where, what, you know, so we offer things like free gym memberships here. Uh, no matter where they want to go, if they want to go for, you know, we have a, we own the building next door and there's a gym in it. Uh, he's a personal trainer. The guy's an elite athlete. Uh, all of our people are, have, you know, if they're here in Chicago, they get free memberships. If they're somewhere else, uh, they can, they can join up for free memberships. So, so working out, I think it's a big part of it. Right. Uh, I think looking at uh, how much we're drinking, what we're eating, I can almost tell you every single time someone's in a mental funk, we can unwind and we can find that. Right. We can find out how much we're drinking, what kind of drugs we're taking, what kind of medications we're on. My request is if you're on medications and look, the world has medications. and I'm, I'm grateful for doctors that have them. My request is for every medication that you're taking, you work out for 30 minutes a day per medication. 
If you're going to take it, right? Because what happens? Every time I put a pill in, what am I saying to myself? Subliminally. Oh, that you're accepting where you're at right now. I see that with, with what, yeah, right on. Right? So if, if every time I put that in there and say, all right, I'm just going to give to the medication. Gonna do Great. I request is that while we do that, and here, I'm grateful. And a lot of the psychotropic drugs that we're putting people on, you know, I've gone through this with my kids, you know, where they're going through different aspects and doctors will say, hey, I want to put your kid on. And, you know, I've got an ex-wife and I who fight about, you know, do that or not do that. My request is if we're going to do that, that's during a crisis time. What are we doing, Mr. Doctor? What are you doing? Where's your work to get them from there out of that spot? What's the... What's the stuff that we're doing to take care of their mind to get them off of? Because I don't want to let a child living on medications forever. I got it. I, I got it while we're in crisis. But my goal is to get them out of there, right? So what, what are we doing to, to take care of their mind? What are the stuff that's affecting their self-esteem? Are we doing esteemable items? The more I sit and stare at this phone, the more I sit and stare at TV, then I feel like I'm less than other kids. I judge my insides by your outsides. All that shame, blame shit that happens in our life. What are we doing to go, all right, that's not working. We're messing up our kids because we're giving them a formula. And they're, wondering, they're sitting there wondering, why do I feel so bad? Because we've tuned you into checking out. So I think that's a big part of it. So what are we doing to look at it and go, all right, you're, I got it. you're in crisis. And we, we, we want to be real cognizant of crisis because people do really bad things uh, in crisis. My wife and I have, have watched some, some really bad things happen with kids uh, that are in crisis. And, and it's oh, yeah, scary. man. They're real moments in life, you know, because that is real life. But then when it comes to the medication side, you're talking about the psychotropics, you know, those are for a season and it's to get through that crisis mode. Yeah, because you're right, because everything else, I mean, it's it's changing what you're intaking. It's changing your environment around you. You know, all, all the other stressors, you know, what, what are you doing to, to put yourself on the right track with your mind? Because your mind is so powerful in that. And I love that you even do the the free gym memberships for everybody that's there because fitness is a big part of how I even start my day. Like this morning, right? Last week, you know, even my voice is probably about 80% good because I was pretty sick a week ago. You know, and today you're my only show. When normally we we, we batch five, five episodes a day when we do this, right? Like I just need to do one. We're not going to reschedule. We'll just keep the one because the other four weren't booked yet. And... But coming into today, too, I'm like, you know what? I still need to work out this morning because I didn't work out for a week, man, just because of how I was feeling. You know, and you have to listen to your body in that because I physically couldn't. If I would have, I would have put, I, I would have extended my recovery time from being ill. You know, but then this morning, it's like, I just need to, I might not lift because I lifted Saturday, which is the first time in a week. But today, I just needed to row, you know, because I have a rower that's there. And the only reason to do that, man, was literally for us to have our conversation today was to get the blood flowing through my brain so that I could be on top of things and actually have an intelligent conversation and be present in the moment. And then also with the level 10 meeting this morning and everything else throughout the day, that's why I got my butt up and I still rode this morning to get everything flowing so that I would enter my day the right way. Rick, it is probably the number, you know, excuse my leg, my, my brain wants to F with me. Right, it it just messes with me. It, it it's dying to get me to check out. I, I never quite understand it. Right, I always feel like I'm up against something. It just feels more like a like I'm possessed because I I can, I can hear I can, I can hear me. Okay, like, hey, we're gonna have to work out today. And there's this other voice that was like, well, maybe not. Uh, try to talk me out of it. And then you know whatever the tricks I have to do to get myself from there 
to the gym. And once I break that first, you know, that's my first one in the morning. I'm with you. My first thing, if I can get to the gym, I know that automatically I've won one battle. And then if I get from there to, I have a couple of tune-up things I do. You know, uh, every morning I do, a, 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 I try to find a positive uh, YouTube or some of them shaving, uh, 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 Gary V, uh, Tony Robbins, uh, uh, Impact Theory, uh, uh, some, some piece of motivation that just gets my brain thinking. I used to be like Howard Stern and junk food, right? Junk food for the brain. And I would feel crappy all day. And all of a sudden, I would have a, today I had one, uh, uh, let's see, was I talking about uh, uh, how, how procrastination could be actually a benefit. And I'm like, all right, great. It was not necessarily my, at first, I never thought that way, but it got me thinking rather than, you know, sometimes my brain wakes up and it doesn't necessarily go positive. I don't know about you, but, you know, I've got up in my brain, it can, it can be Jurassic Park rather than Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> I get up and the freaking pterodactyl are all over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try to search Rex and come to eat me. You know, they're, you know, the world's, the drama and the, oh my god, what about this? What about that? What about this? And I gotta fight it back, right? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get the dinosaurs back in their cage, and I gotta get into a positive, to myself into a positive, um, in a, a positive space where I can interact with people in a way that that'll grow them rather than beat them down out of fear, right? Where I can motivate them and pull them into a future that's uh, awesome, as opposed to you know try to push them out of fear. Like I've tried that behavior where you you know out of Move it, move it. You know, it's like it doesn't really work. It works for a short time period. You'll get immediate results, but then the the drop off when you're just using fear as a motivator, even for yourself, you know, because if you're if you're trying to freak yourself out and use fear as a motivating tool for you, fear actually has some good. I mean, think back to like the caveman days, right? Fear was a very good thing. You know, that way you survived and you just straight up did not die. Fear is a really good thing for that moment. But then once the environment changes and the fear, the reason for the fear is actually gone, there's no reason to try to keep using that as a motivator. So like last year, right, we'll bring this full circle. COVID-19 happens. There was a lot of fear, you know, and it was actually okay. I thought that the fear was actually pretty good for the first two weeks because nobody knew what was going on. If we just limit the conversation strictly to the business impact of COVID-19, you know, that fear was actually some good motivators to tr- start zooming out and start looking at, you know, you said you went horizontal and that's how you survived. We started booking just a record amount of business to prep for this coming year in case there were going to be any drop offs. And what do you know? We doubled our revenue last year from 2019 to 2020, you know, and just continuing to accelerate to, to our public offering this year. But it was a good time period for fear to say, you know, just to examine all the what ifs. And say, what's the strategy that we need to have? Because right now we don't know. And really, what is fear, anyways? Fear is the lack of knowledge. That's a, it really what it is. I mean, you, you you see like a lion behind a bush or something like that, and the first time you're like, oh crap, there's a lion. It can eat me. Right back in the caveman days, you know, or COVID nineteen or whatever. But now you see the bush again, and there's not going to be a lion behind the bush every time. Because maybe you you moved, you picked up and you changed your environment and now that lion just doesn't exist. So you don't still need to operate in that mode. And that's why fear is a good and powerful short-term motivator, but it's horrible long-term because then you get yourself stuck in that mode of reaction all the time and you never can actually move forward because you just stay in that same fearful state. I, I feel like it blocks all my creativity, right? Fear puts me right back to that spot of protection. 
right? And I know how to protect, right? I got, I got this. What, what do I do when I want to protect my my family, my group, my 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 community? What I do is I, I fall back into a you know fist up, right? I got that, right? I learn, learn to block the tackle, All right? Got it. But my creativity drops as well, right? My ability to to see things insightfully, things to look at it, right? When I'm in that, you know, uh, I, I was talking a little bit about. Uh, you know, physical sobriety, right? So for me, getting sober was a big deal, right? Just, just you know, quitting the pot and the drinking and the, and all the other uh, medications. And, you know, I, I'd go to my doctor like, yeah, you want to take some of this? I'm like, yeah, I'll take some of that. Right? I, I thought that was great. And it would be tough for me to be intuitive, to be in a spot where uh, those little micro sensitivities I have today that I'm sober. But even more important is Physical sobriety is great, but there's also that intellectual sobriety, right? When I get out of fear, right? Because I can I can get off on fear. For me, fear is you know uh, fear, anger, resentment. Those can be look for me. Fear can be tequila. You know, I get so angry. I can be angry like tequila, or I can be resentful. Resentful is like a good fine wine. I can just I can. Really, just wallow in a good resentment for somebody, right? Just a, you know, I, I always love resentment, right? It's it's the it's the uh, drug I take, hoping you'll die, right? You'll you know you're you're so resentful of somebody. I can check out of, of being in a relationship. So you know, give, give me gin or oh, now those are that's like fighting words, right? I can give me a little gin and I'm ready to go uh, fisticuffs with somebody. And to me, uh, that's that's my anger, right? But my anger. And fears can check me out of being conscious, right? Why? What's going on here, right? When I get scared, what's actually happening, right? If I don't check out with fear and I stay coherent, if I stay shoulders back, eyes up, looking at the actual environment, what's happening here? All right, COVID's hit. What's actually happening? All right, the world is getting worried about a pandemic. People are dying, right? Who's dying? What's what's being affected? What do I need to prepare my family for? Right. So let's get the preparation done, right? So we did things to make sure that the family was set up and prepared. Let's get make sure that our work can work. We went to write, uh, work in our, getting all our people to be able to work from home, right? Where are the pools and stuff that we need to do? How do we set up daily communication so people aren't checked out? And I just, I could talk about, hey, look, be careful. Every time I go watch Fox News or CNN, you know, that, that hit gets me up. Look, we want to protect ourselves. Well, let's just remember their job is to sell us, right? Their job is to sell us in the drama. What's actually happening? People are interacting with people who are sick and they're getting COVID. Who's getting COVID? What's happening? What are we going to do about it? Let's protect ourselves on that. So you guys are home, you're isolated. Great. Great. Now let's make sure that we do the things we need to do. Because we were still running construction sites. We had projects all around the country that uh, you know, we're, 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 we we kept going. We had, uh, you know, we, we had a couple outbreaks where we had, you know, a carpentry crew uh, break out in one in Texas. We had a, a electrical crew up in uh, Illinois that, that broke out. But what do we do to protect our superintendents? Right? Those, those guys and gals had to go home every night to their families. We want to make sure that they weren't taking some disease home or weren't taking a virus home to impact their family. So what are we doing with them? So we, you know, we just, the things that we, the way we approach social distancing and then great. What happened was when we didn't get fear, creativity popped in. We invented a whole other way of working, right? So what one thing we came up with, it used to be what we would do was called shift stacking. So in construction, shift stacking is a matter of how many people can I get on a job site at one time? Right. If I get this guy over here, this guy over there, 
trade stack. I'm sorry, trade stacking. How many people can stack on a job site simultaneously to get work done? Well, what we did is we changed that and we created what we called shift stacking. Where today we're going to have just as many people work on a job site, but they all work different shifts. And we found out that people loved it. It was like like it literally changed our business even this year. Right. So people were, uh, you know, we had some old timers that love going to work at like three o'clock in the morning. You know, they're, they, they don't sleep. It's like me. I don't sleep in the night. What is that anyways? I mean, you're talking old timers. How does that happen? I mean, my, my grandmother, I think, you know, she'd be up until midnight and then get up at three, four o'clock in the morning. I know your, your need for sleep decreases with age, but dude, why three, four o'clock in the morning for real? My mother's the same way. So we, we found people that would be happy to do that. And then we had some younger guys that want to play and play video games all night. And they'd come in at 10. And you'd have people in between and people a little bit later. And we would get more people on the same job site. You know, we, we built a Delta Sonic out in Oswego. And we literally went faster during COVID than we did. And, and, and we would ask the people, are you sure you guys are safe with this? Are you here? We're, what else can we do to be, make everybody's? And, and the guys and gals that were on that job site were like, look, do not take this away from me. I do not want to sit home all day long worrying. At least I'm here making money for my family. And that makes me feel proud. Here's what I want you to do. I want you guys to make sure that everybody here is safe. What are you guys doing to make sure that I don't get affected when I'm on this job site? And we did things like, you know, we wiped tools down every, every couple. We had a, a one, one person went around and just literally disinfected the job site, wiped off hand tools, wiped off, uh, you know, uh, equipment that people uh, shared. Uh, you know, we, we, we isolated crews to different parts of the, uh, of, of the, you know, people who came together, people who left together. We were only people allowed to get close enough uh, to each other. So it, uh, it just, once we got out of fear and we got creative, it actually changed the entire world. I mean, today we, we still do that. Now, now uh, shift stacking is part of our whole, how we set up new projects. We, we go to a new a crew and go, hey, look, Mr. Uh, Painter, how about if you show up after two o'clock? So that way you can have the entire job site and there's not people all, all around you touching your paintwork. Or Mr. Tile Guy, how about if you guys show up at, uh, later in the, in the night and uh, you can do tile all day long without people walking on your tile? Right. What are the trade or, or you know, uh, the people that do the drywall taping and money? Look, you want to bring your crew in uh, from Thursday to, to Monday? Great. We'll have you come in on off hours uh, so that you can sand, mess up the job site, do all you want, and, and Monday we'll come in. But we'll be ready for you. Back in the day, you couldn't do that because inevitably, if everybody didn't show up at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'd go to you know, work on that wall, and there'd be a stack of drywall there. You're like, I can just ruin my whole day because you're driving. I didn't move all your stuff. Today, the way we manage, we can see job sites differently. We can lay things out. Uh, You know, we've got so much technology that we use on a job site that we can break down a floor. We can break down a room. We can break down uh, material as we deliver them. Uh, You know, we we can uh, just-in-time deliveries that are are really changing the industry. So, you know, that's my, my, my want is for people to remember even in these times when we have things coming at us, you know, the, the, the best martial artists are thinking the entire time. They're watching the hand come at you. They know it's going to come, it's going to have impact, but there's a hand there to receive it. They let the energy, you know, great jujitsu, let the energy of a problem flow through it. Right? Yeah, right on. You talked about tech there a little bit. You know, what's your secret in using tech, you know, or what are you most excited in with tech? Is it in the construction business right now? 
you know, when I go back to that model we were talking about, uh, it's, tech is, if you were a young person and you were in tech and you, you want to be in construction, there are, you know, because construction was such a lagging industry, right? It was, if you look at, for most of my career, you know, we built uh, a Boston market and the way they built a Coliseum were pretty much the same way, right? They took heavy stuff to a place, they banged on it, and they built they built something, right? And the technology hadn't really kicked in. You know, we hadn't gotten to computers yet. We hadn't got into uh, cell phones yet. We hadn't, you know, there was, you know, pretty, I remember the, the first time my permit expediter, remember the, 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 the uh, radios that chirped? Oh, yeah, Nextels, yep. Nextels, remember those? Yeah, I, I do. The, the guy comes, he, he walks in my office, he goes, listen. Because the problem with exp- uh, permit expires were we'd send them into the city and we would not have any contact with them for the rest of the day. Right? Didn't have radios, didn't have, didn't have cell phones. And the, and the guy calls me up. He's like, I need to come to your office. We're going to change our whole art. It was a Burnham Online, this group that we work with, and they do a lot of projects for us. And they, they walk in and they're like, look, we got the new chirp things. We can, while we're in the building of art, we can chirp you. And like, all of a sudden, you can see how communications got a little bit better. Right. And, and today, uh, with BIM technology, with building information technology, uh, what is happening on job sites dramatically changing from you can see how AI, we're just setting up right now to get into AI. And as AI approaches and as as right now we have point of use technologies, that AI machine learning, all stuff that's happening there. Um, you know, I, I uh, was on the I, I did a podcast uh, the other day with uh, with a group that uh, uh, does project management software. And if you can see what they're seeing for the future, look at a project, to, to look at a site, right? To look at a, a piece of dirt. Let's say that uh, uh, we're going to build on a corner of Main and Main in your city. In the old days, uh, a real estate guy would come out, a real estate girl would come out, they would, they would, a real estate person would come out and look at the property and they would go, hmm, for sale or for rent. And they'd go back and then they'd get a construction person to go out there and they'd look at it and go, how much do you think it would cost? And they'd go, well, about this. And then, then they'd send an operation person out there and then they would, and then the real estate people go, all right, but it's probably worth me looking into. Now they'd go to a demographic model. And someone would sit out there with a clicker and look at car, how many cars combined and, and, and traffic counts and look at household incomes and look at all the demographic modeling. Well, today, all of that's available on a click of a mouse. I can look at a site. I can look at the technology. I, I can look at all the drivers. I can look at all of the information I need to look at. And what's coming is even smarter, right? The, the, um, uh, the, the, the tactics of, I was in uh, Europe last summer, the summer before last, and uh, we're looking at entire malls that are pop-up, right? The, the days of a 30-year lease are changing, right? Uh, right? Retailers are looking at it going, I don't need to do, you know, I'm selling most of my stuff online, but what do they need? They need that first customer experience, right? So they walk in, they get that first experience. I don't know about you, but I love Ted Baker. You ever wear Ted Baker? Now, right here, baby. All right, here you go. <laughs> yep. I love, Ted Baker I love, I love how Ted it fits. Baker. Yep. But the problem is, I got a little bit of a belly, and some of his shirts, when I put them on, they get that one button. It's like, right? And it's it's a it doesn't work. So I have to go feel. I have to go feel the different shirts he has every year. And then once I figure it out, I'm like, I'll buy. I buy all of them. I'm like, that shirt works for me. And I love to make your fit. And uh, the t-shirt, I love his t-shirts. And, and once I figured it out, now I just buy my life. Well, that's what's happening with most of the market. So today, as they look at real estate and Ted Baker wants to do a new rollout of a brand, 
he may he may go. You know, uh, we just saw um, uh, a couple of brands do that in the West Loop, where they you know spent fifty eighty thousand bucks to do a pop up store. They they roll out their new concept, but their their new uh, 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 work or their new new design stuff, and then they roll the carpets back. They don't need the twenty years worth of of, of rent they're spending on the bricks and sticks. So you look at now now Ted Baker can go look at that piece of property and go, all right, what who, where are all my customers back in that neighborhood? Where's where's Rick at? Where where is Rick at? There's Rick. And I want all the ricks in that neighborhood. Great. So that's a great neighborhood for me to go in. So they know that decision one is perfect, right? They can go there and do a pop-up store and show all the ricks in the world the new jackets, right? Hey, guys, I got this great new jacket line. We're going to pop it up. Hey, but by the way, if you're going to be in that market, you should go look at uh, Rick's family. And here's what their characteristics are. And here's the kids. And here's, hey, they wear soccer shoes. Or they like this branded wear. Or they like, so as they look at that new approach, they can not only get Rick, which is their main grabber, but now they can look at the, the rest of the family, the rest of the characteristics of the neighborhood and market to that. So they can really get the big, right? So that, that's happening so much faster, uh, that data collection, that data model uh, for those brands. You know, uh, we're, we're seeing in the restaurant world as well, the, uh, you know, the, the brands like Chipotle's that we're building a, a bunch of that went from, you, know, you remember your first time in Chipotle? Oh, dude, my first time ended up being like three times a week for a month when they first popped up. It was amazing. So you walked in, yeah, right. You walked in, and, and the first experience you had there's it looked different, right? Do you remember? You remember the things that uh, characteristics of it? When you oh, yeah, it was in? one of the very first, like in almost kind of industrial or uh, urban themed restaurant or fast food that, that existed. You know, it was a fantastic environment because it didn't look like anything else. So they took simple product. You you walked in, it's like plywood and metal sheets and this fixtures and basic stuff, right? They took basic ingredients and made a great store and, and it matched their food. Basic ingredients that made their, their food line was the same. Again, you had shells or bowls, white, white, brown rice. They had six different proteins or eight different, proteins, whatever. They're six. They've grown a few of them now. And then you went down, you had the, the toppings, and then you had guac and some cheese. You want to add a sour cream. Like you, you knew you could, you could close your eyes, walk down that line today, and you can see it. <laughs> I can see. You're right. I can close my eyes now and I can see the, the whole assembly. Yep. <laughs> but you're right. Same, same, subway, same way. And you, but you needed that first experience to get the brand awareness. But today, if you order on Uber Eats or Grubhub and they deliver it, you don't care where it's built. It, it, that same Chipotle may be being built today. Uh, we're working on, on uh, you know, on back of the mall type locations, uh, warehouse locations, the areas where the third party delivery folks can get in and out of right faster so that they'll, you, know, you can see the future where Chipotle will have a couple of key locations where people can get the brand experience in a high traffic areas, right? They'll spend the money to do that, but then take the rest of the locations and they'll want to find places where, their faster deliveries. You know, we're working with brands like Domino's Pizza that used to have a 30 minute win window. Their goal is to be able to deliver in eight minutes, right? And to be able to, it's just like you talked about, right? Dramatically changed. So how do they get those, those locations closer to the public for less costs, more locations. Now they're also working on cars that make pizzas on the way to you. That's another whole their innovation center that they're building right now. Imagine that a car that actually makes a pizza while it drives to you, right? Uh, that's 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 coming. Now you're talking like real Back to the Future stuff, man, where they would rehydrate a pizza. Do you remember that in that movie? 
They they have them right now down in Florida. There are pizza vending machines that take fresh dough. It's not even hydrated. It's literally fresh dough, crushed, fire cooked. If you look them up online, pizza vending machines. They're amazing, right? They're for three bucks. You get a freshly baked or six, I mean, six bucks. Uh, you get a freshly baked home and uh, uh, fresh baked pizza. It's not like a shell that was already done or frozen. It's literally a fresh dough made pizza in, you know, I don't know, I don't know maybe six or eight minutes or something. It takes, it takes to do that. And, you know, they got, a, you know, pepperoni and sausage and uh, you can do a cheese one, but it's what is, you know, the, What's great about the technology, Professor Rick, is, is that more now than ever, the, the, the playing field for those young people, right, for, the, for our kids, for the people that are coming into business today, the playing field has been leveled. It used to be, if you want to be a, a, a general contractor, you know, you had to go through all of this major lifting to get there. Today, two kids, a laptop and a website, you know, they can start on some small projects. Maybe they worked a, a summer uh, doing... Um, you know, uh, working for a company today, they can go take the skills they've learned there and start something small. Uh, you, you know, uh, the ability to to grow, you know, the technology has leveled the field and giving us the ability to create so much faster. The uh, uh, and, and you can see where AI uh, will be that same way. You know, people are feared like all of a sudden AI is going to take over the world, you know, where AI will take on you know, we're going to have to pray to some AI or something in the future. Like it's going to be almighty oh, AI. I, 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 I can't imagine at first it's going to really start out where we have these assistants very much like Siri and Google and Watson uh, can do, but they'll help us do menial tasks. You know, Hey, uh, order my order, order. Hey, you're, you're, you know, we're going to dinner tonight. You're in New York. You can order dinner and he'll know, you know, they'll know who you're going to dinner with, what kind of dinner you like. And what's the best place to do it close to your hotel and close to the customer? They'll be able to start to think that way, right? Those little assistants that will know intuitively things that you would know, right? Make you, right? There's digital menu systems that exist in restaurants right now that are very similar to that. Because if you have like a, a loyalty program that extends across brands, and you walk into a restaurant, you scan it, so you get the points, of course, but then on the background, it has all this data about you, and now it starts pushing items that not only are more popular in that area, because it's different demographics of people eat different things too, you know, in different towns, different cities, but then I was talking with a dude on the show about this probably about a year ago, but then it'll also show what you typically like to order, you know, and it'll suggest those things first. And the whole idea is that it creates a better experience for the customer, but it also helps the restaurant turn more tables faster because it eliminate it eliminates that 15, 10 minute, I'm going to think about it time into two minutes and say, oh, here's a suggestion based off of what I've done in the past. Cause you never remember you know, and th then it just learns you. It's pretty cool, man. And it, this is full circle too. And I think we can close up. I really appreciate you being on today too, man, because it's, this is still the, you're talking about even like the fear of AI, right? And we were saying, Hey, the fear of AI or the fear, fear in general is this lack of knowledge. And I love when you were talking about how you eliminate the fear. And that's really when the creativity can start to have freedom to grow. That was incredible, brother. Love it. I, if, we, if we can keep playing there, right? Keep challenging ourselves. You know, when, when I go from being, uh, you know, below the line at fear to being above the line, challenging my life, challenging my, my spots, 
right? When, I, when I'm in that spot where I can really start to look at, right, what's the difference between, you know, that fear run uh, uh, space and, and the other side of it, which is the challenge out of creativity, something that, you know, insightful stuff that pulls me into a future that's, uh, that's really exciting. So uh, pulled, pulled, pulled by creativity rather than pushed by fear. I love it. Anthony, thanks for being on today, brother. I appreciate it. Love it. And at any time, look forward to it and continue to do so. Thanks. What's shaking? Thank you for joining me on the All In Podcast. Click the subscribe button and smash that bell for notifications. Text me, 312-535-8520. Follow me on social media, at Mr. Rick Jordan. See you next episode. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message.